the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Vision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money investing in more. No big day heroics yesterday. Market eased in the close with some modest losses at the tail end of earnings season. But there's still some good ones. Not surprisingly. There's not a lot of people on Wall Street really all that active right now. I think there's a thought or a, you know, an idea that we vacation during the summers and we don't really focus on work, especially with Wall Streeters. Today could be another low-volume kind of day. Probably will be. Japan had a little bit of a rebound. China had a little bit of a rebound. You might remember yesterday, not so good. Causation of buying on the dip has kind of helped support the stock market recently. One thing that's very, very clear right now is that we are buying on the dip. We have seen the stock market rally one, two, three, four years in a row. Can we do five? Can we close five? Merck and Pfizer are out with earnings today, and we'll talk about them because those are big boys. Um, both are big dividend payers. Both are big drug pharmaceutical manufacturers. Both have significant sales forces that they've been downsizing in the past to reduce headcount to make their earnings as a lot of their drugs come off and go to generic. They lose their exclusivity. Express Scripts winner, Herbalife winner. And a dark petroleum winner. Sprint, eh, missed. Corning, winner. Aetna, big insurance company, winner. TR Automotive, winner. So all things considered, we're doing, I'm not going to say, you know, glorious, but it wasn't a bad earnings season. We'll talk about that in the future as far as putting a recap on it. Not quite yet, probably a couple more days. When we finally, you know, pull it all together. Time Warner Cable pulled CBS stations from its systems in three markets after the two failed to reach an agreement in a fee dispute, but then reversed that decision 
as two sides agreed to keep on talking. Who's the winner? Content or delivery mechanism? Is content king or is the pipes toll road king? Hartford Financial. They missed expectations by about five pennies. Insurance company has been in the process of restructuring its operations to focus on core areas like property casualty insurance and group benefits. Insurance companies kind of had an unfair playing field for the last five, six, seven years. As interest rates have been low, they take your money and they try not to lose it. So the safer the investment vehicles, the better for them. Spirit Airlines, ticker symbol S-A-V-E, save. Chairman William Frankie is selling his investment firm Indigo's stake in the airline. He'll also resign from its board next month. Lockheed Martin has reportedly reached agreement with the Pentagon on a jet order involving 71 F-35 fighter jets. The deal could be worth $7 billion. doesn't sound like the defense contractors are getting pinched that hard by sequestration. The Case-Shiller Home Price Index out for month of May. Showed year-over-year prices climbing at 12%. You probably are pretty aware that there's been some big moves. Dallas and Denver reached record levels, surpassing their pre-financial crisis peaks. This is the first time any city has made a new all-time high. Pretty impressive, huh? Denver's a great city. Dallas is a great job market. So those are two of the reasons for the success. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up this Thursday evening. This Thursday evening in San Rafael, Four Point Sheraton. It's a retirement planning workshop. Myself and CFP Chad Burton. It is the only time that I get to wear in, in the year. And uh, there's very limited seating. So sign up today at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9. And it is a free workshop on retirement planning. Um, Health Management Associates, down 10% in missed earnings. So they got some subpoenas from the Department of Health and Human Services after regulators have been scrutinizing its patient mission practices. Consumer Confidence Index for the month of July is out, and it's declined. The Consumer Confidence Index fell slightly. The decline in the index was sharper than the forecast. Consumers were somewhat less optimistic about the health of the economy over the next six months which accounted for the drop. Expectations slid. The present situation rose to the highest level since 2008, early 2008. Coach is out there today with earnings. They make purses, upscale handbags. Sales down 1.7%. The company announced the um, departure of two top-level executives, Mike Tucci, President of Coach's North American Group, and Jerry Stritsky, President and Chief Operating Officer, Coach also announced the sale of its Reed Krakow business to a group led by Krakow. Coach's longtime executive creative director who said he was leaving Coach to focus on his own namesake label. Other big stories of note. J.P. Morgan was fined $410 million by the energy regulator uh, for manipulated markets related to the firm's bidding activity in electricity markets. The unit admits the facts in the agreement but not admit to or deny any violations in Markets like California and the Midwest, that's just great. When our investment banks and brokers are manipulating the price of energy, this is going to, I'm not going to say end badly, but this is going to give people who want to reform the banking industry a lot of ammo.
President Barack Obama is in call for a restructuring of business taxes to generate revenue to fund job creation programs. He's speaking at Amazon.com, a distribution center uh, in Tennessee. He's proposing using one-time transition fee associated with $2 trillion in foreign earnings now being held overseas to fund job creations. Obama senior advisor Dan Pfeiffer said the president will call on lawmakers to work on a so-called grand bargain focused on middle-class jobs, pairing business tax reform with jobs investment. He's previously called for rewriting individual and business tax law at the same time. I don't know how I feel about that yet. You know one company that I really like is Cummings Engine. They reported second quarter income of $414 million, down from $465 million. What they do is very difficult for other competitors to do. They make big, big, heavy-duty trucks, um, engines for the trucks. Revenue has increased primarily due to the higher demand in North America. That's nice to see. That gives us a little bit of a whisper into what's happening into the United States. Um, and I'm looking for other big stories, you know, that are jumping out there. And I'm not seeing the jump per se. Don't forget, I will be doing an event Thursday evening, two days from now. San Rafael Four Point Sheraton Retirement Planning uh, Workshop. CFP Chad Burton will do most of the presentation. I'll give some of the economy and insights. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. It's Thursday evening, 6.39, Four Point Sheraton. It's the only time I'll be in Marin this year. Hopefully I can see you out there. Limited seating, so sign up today. Take a break here. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. A lot of things you probably don't know about money. It's something that we use each and every day. We've been making money since 1792. I talk about creating enough money so that you could live till the day you retire. First money was used in coins. Early coins were made of precious metals and the actual value. It wasn't until 1862 during the Civil War that the United States Department of Treasury produced paper money, which is an actually paper it's cotton it was created to make up for the coin shortage since those early coins contained valuable metals americans began hoarding them as a hedge against fluctuations in money created by the war that was kind of the time when we started uh you know 
betting on inflation. Dollar bill lasts about 18 months before it wears out. One dollar bill accounts for 48% of paper bills printed by the U.S. Bureau of Engraving. So a lot of one dollar bills being made. A lot of people want us to go back to coins because coins will last 30 years. Paper, not so long. Sometimes it's done 18 months, sometimes as much as four years. So um, other odd little things that you should know about money. Living presidents are banned from having their faces on the currency. Pennies, you either love them or hate them. They were first uh, made into coins, struck in the United States. They've been around for a long, long, long time, 1793. In 1793, they were actually 100% copper. President Lincoln made his appearance on the penny in 1909. 1909. Modern pennies are made of a bit of copper with zinc and some nickel. So there are real metals in that. By legislation done during the revolutionary years in the United States, no living person can be featured on a coin. It's to ensure that it doesn't look like we're a monarchy. The living kings during the era were cast on their country's coinage. There has been one exception, and that was President Calvin Coolidge. If you get stuck playing Trivial Pursuit today, you might have that answer. First woman to appear on coins, not even American. Queen Isabella of Spain was the first lady cast on a U.S. coin in 1893. First lady of Martha Washington. She was the first woman to appear on a circulated paper money. I know, we used to have $1 silver certificates, right? Everyone thinks the first woman was probably Susan B. Anthony, but that's not quite right. U.S. Mint is not the only place where money is produced. There's actually many, many places where money is produced. If you've ever been to Walt Disney, you've seen Disney money. A lot of colleges produce their own money for student use, and even a few small communities like Ithaca, New York, provide local cash. That was provided, obviously, to get, get more spinning within a community. Uh, Benjamin Franklin is the only non-president to appear on a bill. Most counterfeited bill in the United States is probably, you guessed it, a $20 bill. 95% of all new money being printed is used to replace dollars that wind up overseas in you know foreign accounts. So we print a lot of money every day. It's pretty filthy and crazy um, to see the process. Uh, the U.S. Mint prints about 37 million bills a day, or roughly $696 million. And think about a heist, right? Don't think about it because they're well-tracked. Dollar bills are filthy. Um, you can find salmonella on a dollar bill. I hate dollars. I hate them. You know, it's so funny because people will like fist bump each other just to avoid touching each other's hands. But then we'll touch something with more germs on it than a, than a public toilet. Our phones. Bills. They have salmonella. They have E. coli. Printed primarily of <clears throat> cotton. And they've got the highest levels of bacteria because of that. Um, some of the newer, sleeker dollars don't have as much cotton in them. So, lovely, right? More people have fantasies about money than about sex. That's how powerful money is. It's in our minds, it's in our hearts, it's in our thoughts. 
your odds of winning the lottery are roughly 10 million to one. <clears throat> and that's probably why more people fantasize about it. And <clears throat> the lure of money is the fantasy of money. Some stories out there of note. Apple iCar is starting to become more and more of a thought. Yes, I did a little piece about how the car might be really where the next 100 million, 200 million users for the Internet go from, go to. Maybe not the watch, maybe not the TV. Steve Jobs regretted not making an iCar. Apple for years was ambivalent about the auto industry. But now, dashboard space is a big, 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 big issue. Microsoft, BlackBerry, Pandora, uh, Apple, Google. I saw Audi now is starting to build all their cars with 4G capabilities. So, Audi's not really luxury, but you get the idea. By year's end, car buyers will be able to choose from several vehicles that incorporates Apple's iPhone functions using Siri voice controls for navigation, texting, emails, and music. Keep in mind, your phone, you really probably use it a lot for music and for maps, and you drive in your car a lot, typically 1.2 hours per day, and you listen to a lot of music and use a lot of maps. Displacing competitors in the car may be difficult, though. You know... Extreme temperatures are in cars. Noisy cabins are in cars. Very long product cycles are in cars. So it's going to be a little bit trickier than other than you think. Apple's the world's largest tech company by market value. They want to gain some traction. Siri installed. Apple iOS 6. Um, the core of a car stereo. So we'll see. It's, you know, iOS 7 is going to be integrated into models by GM, by Honda, Nissan, and Hyundai. So that creates stickiness. Going to be doing an event tonight, not tonight, Thursday night. Retirement planning workshop. It's free. It's in the Four Points Sheraton in San Rafael, California. The event's from 6.30 to 9. Very limited seating. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll be back talking a little economy and strategy. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. On AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. It's Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial from insurance to investing to 401ks to retirement issues. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. Patrick, how are you this morning? Hi, Rob. Doing fine. Nice to be back with you. Always good to talk to you. Give us that good insight into the markets, good perspective. You do a lot of writing for briefing.com, but just do a lot of public appearances. Um, Obama's on the trail today talking about the economy and job ideas. And Are you paying attention to Obama's speeches? 
Well, I mean, you know, you have to. Um, obviously, he's the president of the United States, and we've got some uh, big issues ahead of us as a country as it relates to uh, budgetary issues and entitlement reform. And uh, the word right now is that he's going to be proposing um, another grand bargain, if you will, as it relates to uh, helping the middle class. And the idea or the thinking behind that is that he's going to propose something along the lines of a corporate tax rate cut, um, which certainly uh, should should register okay amongst Republicans. And uh, but at the same time, he's going to you know ask for some investments in uh, in job creation. So you can see that he's certainly starting to uh, focus more on the economy here. And you know, I guess one could argue that uh, maybe he's got an eye toward the uh, midterm elections that are getting closer and closer um, and starting to uh, politic a little bit more uh, and, uh, and and talk up some uh, some good things like tax rate cuts. One of the things that you glazed upon is part of the things he's going to be talking about is uh, profits that are located overseas. Uh, what is your thoughts on how the president should handle companies like Apple who have billions of dollars locked up overseas that just don't want to repatriate to pay the tax. Yeah, it's a really uh, it's a difficult issue. Um, you know, they they're doing you know the prudent thing. You know, as you're a for-profit organization, and so you're trying to you know mitigate the uh, the impact uh, on your bottom line that would uh, come you know through uh, through higher taxes on those earnings, but. You know what the administration needs to do is really come up with some way to, you know, incentivize these companies to start repatriating some of that money to create jobs at home. I frankly don't know how they how they do that. I think we've seen in the past there was, uh, you know, a holiday to do that under the auspices that would help create jobs and. Uh, you know, subsequent studies revealed that the companies, you know, basically benefited from that, um, you know, used the repatriated uh, profits to buy back stock, and uh, but really didn't create many jobs. So, you know, it cuts both ways here. You know, the administration needs to give the uh, corporations an incentive to do that, but at the same time, these corporations also need to follow up and make good on that uh, repatriation and start hiring more uh, if that's what it calls for. Interesting to note. Um, you recently penned a piece for briefing.com called Ready to Shift Gears with Four on the Floor. And shifting gears kind of implies a transition, but the four things to bring up earnings, GDP, Fed meeting this week, and July employment report. This is a pretty big week. It is, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, these are, these are all big items. Um, you know, usually, a, you know, a GDP, P report doesn't create a whole lot of hoopla because it's it's so dated, right? You know we're mm-hmm. um, you know uh, well past uh, uh, the end of the second quarter here, but nonetheless, uh, this number will be uh, interesting because it's likely to show some pretty lackluster growth, you know. And uh, I think the consensus estimate right now is around one percent GDP growth, which. You know, you got to sit there and wonder with all that the Fed has done, you know, five years into this and we're, we're still getting, you know, subpar growth like that is, you know, are their policies really that effective in jumpstarting the real economy? And, and of course, the, the longstanding perspective is that, well, you know, just wait six more months. You know, it's going to kick in. You know, we're going to see this escape velocity happen and, and we still aren't seeing it. Um, so, uh, so that's the first uh, one out of the gate, and then hot on that heels uh, of that report is going to be the FOMC, you know, decision. Uh, the directive is 
probably going to be pretty standard fare, but, uh, you know, the market's going to be keen in on any type of uh, language that might uh, give some guidance with respect to the Fed's thinking on tapering as early as September. Um, and so that would be important. And then, of course, the July employment report, which probably is the biggest item of, of the week in our estimation, just given uh, how much it uh, means for the broader economy um, as it relates to showing signs of income growth, job growth, uh, and what have you, and, and what it might relate also to, you know, in a political sense. Um, so there's a lot tied up in that uh, July employment report. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist with Briefing.com. Inside one of your four points earnings, we're starting to wrap up second quarter earnings season, and in your article, you mentioned that financial sector is killing it. Uh, reporting earnings growth of 27% to lead all sectors. If you strip out financials, it was a pretty rotten quarter and probably not a good one for the GDP per se. Well, that's right, and, and you know we think that uh, you know that will be reflected in a, a relatively weak uh, GDP report. Uh, Briefing.com is an outlier in our GDP forecast. We're actually projecting a decline of seven tenths of one percent GDP. Um, you know, a lot of that is attributable to uh, changes in inventories. But even if we exclude the change in inventories, our economist Jeff Rosen is looking for uh, real final sales to be up just 0.1 percent. So um, that's likely. You know, you're seeing this uh, relationship come through in some pretty, you know, relatively weak um, earnings growth, you know, uh, certainly when you strip out those financials. Uh, and you're also seeing it clearly reflected in the uh, relatively weak top-line growth, which is running uh, under 2% at this point for the second quarter. So companies, once again, are showing that they're finding ways to grow their bottom line um, through kind of below the operating line methods, you know, um, and, uh, you know, share buybacks is, is you know, one of those uh, items that helps in that respect. I think the story that Wall Street seems to be buying into right now is second half job creation, slow but steady. Is that the story that you're buying into as a Wall Street stock market person? You know, we haven't been as sanguine about the uh, second half outlook as a lot of people have, and we said as much, you know, starting the year. Um, we think that, you know, you could continue to get this slow and, and steady growth, but, you know, you're not getting a lot of income growth to help really uh, jumpstart consumer spending uh, and help jumpstart business investment, really, because, you know, businesses, I uh, think, you know, you've read, a lot of people have seen the reports, are sitting on just a whole lot of cash. Uh, I think Berkshire Hathaway, in particular, is, uh, has a record cash level, you know, and uh, obviously Mr. Buffett is a, a, a <laughs> the best value investor around, and he, uh, you know, the fact that they have record cash might suggest that they're finding it difficult to put that, that money to work at a good value. So, um, you know, we think that the economy is likely to kind of keep growing at a pretty weakish pace, you know, when you take into account that China's slowing, Europe may be stabilizing, but certainly not into a, a major growth mode by any means, uh, and you're getting the uh, struggles now in the emerging markets. And so the U.S., comparatively speaking, might be doing better, but it's not doing great, and we think that's likely to be reflected throughout the second half. I grew up, uh, you know, same time of the world you'd, as you did, and one of the big stories we always heard growing up is that we're going to run out of oil. And yesterday, something kind of shifted in that argument or in that theory. Uh, Prince Al-Walid bin Talal said Saudi Arabia needs to watch out for America because they're pumping stronger than we thought they could. 
Does that story hit you in any way? Because energy, obviously, a big cost of business. If we can make it here, there's the transportation costs that are lower. That could help corporate profitability. Uh, did that story mean anything to you or just, just another PR press wire? No, it absolutely, absolutely does. You know, I think as we, you know, think about the, you know, the shale energy um, revolution, if you will, I mean, it just goes directly to uh, the, the longstanding history of ingenuity and innovation within the United States and technological advancement that helps it uh, maintain, you know, a leading competitive edge uh, in the world of business. And that's going to be a tremendous asset here for the U.S. economy if we continue to harness those that energy uh, so that we can lower the cost of production for U.S. businesses. And, you know, what the prince uh, said, you know, uh, it was – it was a prudent thing to think about, really, because, uh, you know, if nothing else, you know, like you pointed out, something to the effect that, you know, Saudi Arabia's economy is, you know, I think something like 90% reliant on, you know, oil. And the prudent thing, regardless of what happens with shale per, uh, output in the U.S., it would be for Saudi Arabia to find ways to diversify its, you know, its economic output. Uh, and that was one of the main thrusts of his arguments as well. But, um, but certainly, um, you know, we don't think that the world's going to run out of oil. Um, it's just going to find uh, better ways to uh, to harvest it and to make it better, uh, as we're seeing for U.S. businesses, uh, you know, to do to do business because it would cost them less to uh, to produce. Thank you, Patrick. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. He's the chief market strategist. Briefing.com is an independent source of worldwide financial news. But also there's that domestic look, which is just as important. They feature a variety of columns. If you're a trader, there's something there for you. If you're a strategist, there's something there for you. If you just want to see what happened on Wall Street today and why, there's something in there for you. It's briefing.com. It's briefing.com. Focusing back on our markets today, we're in the tail end of earnings season. We're starting to get economic data. And like Patrick just said, there's four biggies this week. Four big pieces of data, and like that's kind of freaky. Um, earnings obviously continue to play, and that's not on a day basis; it's on a weekly basis, quarterly basis. Um, the second quarter GDP report, the Fed Open Market me- uh, Committee meeting, so our bankers getting together, and the July employment report on Friday is a big one. It could be a game changer. Uh, it hasn't been, but it could be. We'll take a break here. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. 192. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Stocks day are rising. As profit forecasts for the Fed statement it is playing into things. Companies from Eastman Chemical to Herbalife are raising their forecasts. They're both up 6% as they topped expectations. Mosaic and Agrium, they're down 5%. Um, global prices of potash are going to fall about 25% as expected. Coach down 9%. Discounts and weak handbag sales hurt revenue. Those are some of the stories out there. But the expectations for U.S. earnings have come down. And a pickup in second half earnings will be crucial to get stocks to move higher from here. Sometimes the market's undervalued and stocks can move higher. As we go, you know what? 
I'm willing to pay a little extra for those those earnings, even if they are lower than we want them to be. I'll pay a little extra, so we'll expand the valuation that way. It's funny what can move the market in different little ways here and there. One of the things that moves markets over the long term is the economy. Over the short term, you know what? We can get kind of manic. I don't know if you've ever been with someone who's manic, who's incredibly happy. I'm so, so happy with earnings right now. And then tomorrow I'm like, oh, these earnings are killing me. So the markets are very irrational on a day-by-day basis. On a quarter-to-quarter, a little more rational. On a year-over-year, very rational. So know that. And if you can't take the day-to-day fluctuations, maybe don't even look. Um, I max out my 401k every year. And I tend to do about, I think, um, a little more than a 1000 a paycheck. So right around August, I'm done for the year. I've done my 17500 And that's a good thing. For me, that's, you know, yay, I'm fully funded. It also makes September, October, November, December a little easier on my paycheck, so to speak. Um, but I don't really look at my 401k except for on a quarterly basis. Um, and to be quite honest, this year I'm underperforming the markets because I put too much of a bet on, um, I'm not going to say bet, I put too much weight on hard assets, commodities, and they've underperformed this year and they've pulled my performance lower. So my 401k is not rocking and rolling, but I'm okay with that. I'm accumulating more hard assets that if there is inflation next year, I'll have a bigger overshift on the upside. U.S. home ownership rate, which soared to a record high of 69.2% in 2004, is back to where it was two decades ago before the housing bubble inflated, busted, and ripped more than 7 million Americans from their homes. Ownership's at 65% and home values rising. Housing industry and consumer groups are pressing lawmakers to make the American dream more inclusive by ensuring new mortgage standards designed to prevent another crash are flexible enough that more families can benefit from the recovery. Interesting. You know, part of the money that I save every year is my 401k, right? Part of it is the equity that I build in my home. If I have a $3,500 mortgage and you know, $2,800 that's going to interest and $700 to go into the you know, equity, it means I'm saving another $8,000 in equity a year. So $70,500 plus $8,000, $25,000. So home ownership is important as a way of saving money. Lawmakers currently shaping housing finance. They're seeking to reduce the government's role in keeping rates affordable for riskier borrowers while ensuring home ownership is within the reach of minorities and first-time buyers who could be needed to sustain the housing recovery. A lot of first-time buyers become move up. I've got a friend who bought a townhouse for years and years and years and years. She looked for a single-family home. And she said, screw it, can't afford it, buying a townhouse. So she gets a townhouse. Now, in a couple of years from now, she's built up some equity. She's got some raises at the job. She may go time to step up. I'll buy Rob's single-family home. And I may go, you know what? Time to buy a place that's a little more palatial. I want an estate that's fit for a king because I've been maxing out and saving. So low-down payment loans coupled with exotic adjustable rate mortgages, which help fuel a massive housing bubble, which ultimately burst and took down the financial sector. The question is, how, how do we get from 65% home ownership in the United States to 70% without getting that 5% who's not in a house right now into a house? 
without having them take on too much risk. Because last time we did it, they brought on too much risk, and we gave loans to people we shouldn't have given them to. I know people in the mortgage industry that they're called liar loans. It's stated income. Okay, Mr. Black, you tell us what you earn. We're not even look at your taxes. You just tell us. Um, 100000 No, 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 no. For this loan, you're going to need a much higher number than that. Um, and if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. A couple in their 50s reached out to me yesterday, and they said they, got they make 100 k a year. How much house can we afford? And I said, 250 And like, we can't get a house for 250000 that we want in the Bay Area. I'm like, so don't buy in the Bay Area. You're done. Your answer's over. Let's move on. And yet people still want. We want. We want. We want. Uh, let's take a look at the market numbers today. Ding, 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 ding. SP 500's up five. Dow up 40th, NASDAQ's up. 10-year Treasury sits 2.5. Not a lot of action. We've been sideways is kind of okay right now. Gold, still not a lot of action. It had its big drop from 1,900 to 1,300. A little bit lower, a little bit higher. Oil's still sticky. Why is oil sticky if Prince Ali bin Talal says that the United States is pumping it out and Saudi's economy is, is at risk? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Stock potash, which helps make fertilizer, or makes fertilizer, very, very crucial to our, our farming industry. Getting slacked today. Down 8 bucks from $38 down to 30 Okay, I got a big event coming up in San Rafael on Thursday. It's a retirement event. Sign up at robblack.com. If you listen to the buzz from online brokerage firms managing work. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Don't be shy. 800 516 It's 800-516-1220. I don't get as many phone calls as I should. I know a lot of people are shy about money, and a lot of people kind of want to hear what's going on versus potentially asking a stupid question or asking something they feel a little bit out of touch with. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. There's no need to be shy. Um, stock market. We are in earnings season. Equities began with gains today. Ultimately, it was foreign markets rebounded from some weakness yesterday. Fertilizer names are under pressure as there's a potash cartel that you know one big group pulled out of, and they expect prices to fall aggressively. Dow component Pfizer underpins healthcare sector uh, following better than expected earnings. So strength today in healthcare, in industrials, and in tech, and utilities, and financials, and consumer staples, and industrials. Weakness seen in consumer discretionary, energy materials, and telco services. So uh, China up, Japan up. Those were the big stories as the day started. Now, as the day's gone on, 
we start paying attention to home prices in the United States. That's a bit of a story. S&P 500's up 3, the Dow's up 15, the Nasdaq's up 17. So home prices, our data, driving our markets. Single-family home prices rose in May, suggesting the housing market recovery continued during the spring buying season, though the pace of gains cooled compared to the month before. The SP Case-Shiller Index, it covers 20 major metropolitan areas. It gained roughly 1% on a seasonally adjusted basis. Expectations were about 1.5%, so that's a little bit of a disappointer. Last May... Prices also fell short of expectations, rising 12% from the year earlier. Still, it's the biggest annual gain since March 2006. The report was unlikely to alter economists' views that the housing sector's recovery is progressing, making a bright spot for the economy. All 20 cities rose on a yearly basis, led by a 24.5% surge in San Francisco. Two cities, Dallas and Denver, reached record levels, surpassing their peaks reached during the housing boom. It was the first time any city has racked up a new A new all-time high. Now, again, San Francisco prices up 24.5%. If you think that's a good thing, it's not. To get your calls in the air, it's Alex from Cupertino. Alex, what's your question? Hi. um, You were talking about your 401K, and I was listening to um, a different program uh, that you have with Chad Burton, and, and he was talking about trust. And, and I realize you're not a trust person, but I thought I could just try my question and see if you can give me some general guidance. What I'm hearing is that if you have a 401k, you should not put it into the trust. But I don't understand the rationale, and, and if you explain that, it would be wonderful. Um, it's already protected from legal issues. Wow. I would, I will, if you get sued, you already got that protection because it is a 401k. But I will contact Chad, and I will have him talk about that on today's show. So if you listen to Chad today from. One to two, he'll answer why you don't put a 401k into a trust. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, um, that's a tax planning, estate planning kind of question. Some assets, and thanks for the call, some assets you title in trust and some you don't. And what's interesting is trust laws change. So you have to update your trust on a pretty regular basis. Um, it's kind of frustrating. Uh, if you hit a car full of attorneys, they can go after a lot of your assets, but they can't go after that 401k. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, some of the other stories as far as headlines go today on the market, uh, we're in the second half of the year. Uh, you know, July starting to wrap up, so we've got about five months left to go. And it's interesting to watch how Wall Street's playing this out at this point in time. Um, and what I mean by playing it out, the story is what's driving it. Second quarter GDP is going to be announced this week. Friday we get the jobs report, which is going to be a big one. Um, home price gains are not sustainable, believable, nor normal. Senior economist at home price website Zillow has some sharp words about the report from Case Schiller. He says, three straight months of national home value appreciation above 10% is not normal, not sustainable, and frankly, not very believable. What's that mean? That's a pretty interesting statement as far as being demonstrative. 
The overall housing market continues to improve. The impact of foreclosure resales on the case-share index continues to be pronounced as homes previously sold under duress trade again under more normal circumstances, leading to an inflated and misleading markups in price. It's increasingly critical that the average American homeowner not read numbers like today's case-share results and assume their homes must have uh, gone up as well. Yet, I hope that makes sense to a lot of you. So if a home gets foreclosed on and a $500,000 home goes for $300,000 and suddenly it goes from $300,000 back to four hundred, that looks like a 25% gain. I'm like, woo, I want that. You need to be very cautious of people on radio and television and the Internet who it's in their best interest to sell you a house because they're either getting a commission on the loan, they're either getting a kickback from the developer, they're either in it with the sales agents to buy and sell as a relationship, a lot of people make relationships in real estate really skirt the line of legality with the DRE. So, like, for instance, you're not supposed to have appraisers. You can't direct an appraisal to a friend because that appraiser might say, well, I'll, I'll mark up the value of the home a little bit because he's my friend and it'll get him a bigger commission. Wait, what? Oh, it happened. It happened. So just stuff to think about. Stuff that we shouldn't have to think about that we do need to think about. So the Federal Reserve's in play this week, and what they say probably won't be as aggressive as what they said last month when they had to talk about tapering. We already now know the concept. They don't need to do it again. Um, so it'll probably be more about the jobs and inflation. The Fed's going to take a look at uh, a document a lot of documents, and decide when do they taper. That's the next big thing out of the taper, out of the uh, Fed Reserve, is when do they taper. It's not when do they raise interest rates, but when do they stop buying debt. So during the July-September quarter of 2013, Treasury expects to issue $209 billion in net marketable debt, assuming an end of September cash balance of $95 billion, borrowing expectations about $14 billion lower than announced in April 2013. So even though they're buying a lot of debt, the, the whole market is flush with cash. There's too much cash on balance sheets, especially inside of banks. So their tapering is going to start losing some of its effectiveness regardless. So not their tapering, but their buying of debt. So they're going to taper. What Will it be September? I think the expectation is, yeah, it's going to be a little bit starting to come off the table in, in September. Don't forget, i got a big event, retirement planning event, Thursday evening. This Thursday, this Thursday, you can sign up today at robblack.com. It's retirement planning workshop with myself and CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton will be doing the radio show today from 1 to 2 on the station. He does it five days a week, Monday through Friday. Um, new focus on wealth. I'm Rob Black. You can meet me and Chad Burton Thursday night, Four Points Sheraton, in San Rafael. Sign up for the event at robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Amazon's expected to release a brand new seven inch Kindle Fire HD. It's gonna have a brand new design. It's gonna have a screen resolution of nineteen twenty by twelve hundred, which is the same as the new Nexus seven. 
2 gigahertz quad-core Qualcomm Snapdragon 800 processors, 2 gigabits of RAM, Wi-Fi, and cellular connectivity. Um, it's going to have an 18 gig, 32 gig, 64 gig storage. 64 gig option is more than Google is offering on its new Nexus 7. It'll run Android 4.2 Jelly Bean with heavy Amazon customizations. Um, then they got the slightly bigger one. Apple, your your turn. Your turn, Apple. There's a new app out there that will let you get advertising on your phone. If you've seen the Amazon Kindle, when you power it up, there's an ad. Sometimes to, before you unlock your screen, you'll see a Lexus ad. There's a company that will actually say, hey, if you want me to put that on your phone, we'll do the same kind of thing where we serve you ads. And over time, you'll make money. Wow, right? Or you could give that money to charity and quirky little things like that. But we look at our phone a lot. And to see ads on it is a little bit discouraging, in my opinion. Um, to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, you know, a couple areas that I don't really specialize in, taxes, I highly recommend on occasion, not every year, especially if you make under 120000 sitting with a CPA and going over some tax options, I think it'll help you enormously. So Zynga in the news today. Tough times continue at Zynga. I'm not a big fan of Mark Pincus. I just find him odd and weird. And I, I don't say that loosely because I'm kind of goofy and offbeat. But he, he doesn't settle me. He doesn't call me as an executive. So Senior Vice President of Games, John Oswald, Zynga Casino Vice President, Jesse Janasoff, Vice President of Games, Nathan Eater, all resigned as executives. All three put in their notice after Don Matrick was hired to replace Pincus as CEO. So it's not clear when exactly they left, but a lot of their top-level management's going. As an investor, that's kind of disconcerting. Okay, if I were to tell you right now that Coach Harbaugh is leaving the 49ers, that the Yorks are putting the team up for sale, and the general manager, we haven't seen him in three weeks. You'd be like, who's going to run that operation? Right? Same thing with Wall Street. So when you see that many executives leave, who's running it? It's inevitable that Zynga will need to lay off people. It's 23 people, 100 strong. Facebook is 5,000 employees. Zynga's 2,300. It's too many. They, you know, some of their competitors uh, have 300 employees. Zynga's got 2,000 more than 300. They've got 2,300. Names like Rovio, Supercell, and King.com, all very small operations, all coming out with better products than Zynga. Zynga's decided to ditch real money gambling. A lot of their shareholders bought the stock on the idea. A lot of people believe if legalized Zynga was best positioned to own the market, Worse, Zynga didn't offer a good reason for the change in its roadmap, so we don't know why they're ditching real money gambling, which had just started up online in the U.K. Zynga's battling a heavy decline in its users as users shift to mobile. I've got a PBA bowling amp app on my phone. that I don't like bowling in real life, but, yeah, if I'm stuck on a, 
a line somewhere. I'll, I'll throw up bullet and throw a couple strikes and feel better about myself that instead of really exercising, I'm faux exercising. Um, but I'm not going to play Farmville. I'm not, I don't know. So Dan Ackerman, is, Bill Ackman, I'm sorry, Bill Ackerman. I'm getting my names mixed up. He is short Herbalife, and a lot of people think that he's quietly giving up his short and, like, he's eating it. He's lost an estimated $300 million since saying Herbalife is a multi-level marketing scam. At one point in time, that's a lot of money, right? At one point in time, he was aggressively attacking it, and Carl Icahn came out and said, you know what, I think you're wrong, Ackman. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go long. This is one yesterday on my TV show. I posted uh, four stocks that I, I like. Herbalife will be a stock that I don't buy, whether it's a dollar or $100. It's too controversial. So there's stocks that you like for various reasons. There's stocks that you don't like for various reasons. Herbalife stock has been trading at a 52-week high after crushed earnings expectations. Ackman has said that shutting down Herbalife would be the greatest achievement of his life. You know, it's one of those... Um, Healthy drink companies. You sign up, you can distribute it, you can do it from your house. The story in the United States is pretty uh, mature, but they've got some international growth. You try to get your friends to buy the product, you try to get your friends to sign up. They had 18% growth in the second quarter. That's a lot. So the companies lost their auditor, you might remember, and that kind of disconcerts you. Because, again, as an investor, you want a good management team. You want a good track record of, of, of reports, not that an auditor has to resign and you have to hire someone. So Bill Ackman and Carl Icahn are fighting each other, and I'm just not going to play that game. And what I really don't like is that they go on CNBC and fight each other, because I don't think CNBC uh, is meant to be the playground that influences the average person with rich billionaires fighting each other. So some stocks you like, like I'll, I'll always look at Nike. And if I feel good, I'll buy it. If I don't, I'll wait and I'll try to buy it later. I'll always look at McDonald's the same way. There's some companies that are like Herbalife that I won't look at. It's just too much drama. It's like Blackberry. Do I like it at five, hate it at 15? I, in theory, I should. But no, I, I can't do that. It's just it's too dramatic of a stock, and I don't want to play into that. I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all, but it makes sense to me. Less than 5% of stocks have posted triple plays this earnings season. Um, the Dow and S&P 500 have given up nearly all their gains from the morning. So the U.S. market's now underperforming the rest of the world. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. I know. It's one of those days that it's earnings season and you're trying to digest as much as you can, as fast as you can. Uh, SP 500's up 4, the Dow's up 21, the NASDAQ up 22. But we're kind of sliding backwards. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up in San Rafael Thursday evening, 6.30 to 9. Me and CFP Chad Burton will be doing a retirement workshop, uh, retirement planning workshop. Everything that you need to know, some, some drawdown assumptions, some portfolio rebalancing, 
How much do you need? When are you going to need it? Some healthcare numbers. Healthcare is very, very expensive in retirement. A lot of people don't account for it. You can sign up for the event Thursday evening, San Rafael, Four Point Sheraton at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. See you there on Thursday. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.